You are listening to sermon audio from College Creek Church in Annapolis, Maryland. For more information on this local body of believers, visit us online at collegecreekchurch.org or in person every Sunday at 11 a.m. It's so good to be here. <laughs> uh, I love the songs that we sang this morning. That we worship Jesus for who he is. I mean, think about that. I mean, we worship him just for who he is. I wonder if you know him this morning. I want to start out by asking a question. We're going to hear some questions this morning. I want to ask this question. I want you to think about this, you know, as you're going through this uh, this morning. The question is this, what are you seeking today? In other words, what is it that you need? What do you need today? It's a, it's a basic question. We ask this of each other all the time. What is it that you need? What is it that you want? But what are you in need of today? What are you seeking? You see, that question oftentimes is determined by the circumstances of our lives. What's going on right now with each one of you? I mean, is it money? Is it a job? Is it a new rela- relationship? What are you seeking and oftentimes, I know it's this case with me, when, I, when life reaches a crisis point, we begin searching for the answer to that question in a much more profound and a much deeper way, don't we? Like, do you need hope today? Do you need joy today? Do you need love today? And so this is one of a series of questions that we're going to be looking at in this morning's passage. And what we're going to see is is that our greatest need is not just a physical need. It extends far beyond that to our spiritual selves, to a spiritual need. And so we're continuing in this series this morning, the Gospel of John, it's entitled that you may believe. And and this gospel of John, it's one of the main purposes he says when he wrote this book in John 20, verses 30 and 31. I want to remind us of this because it's very relevant for this morning's message. John says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name, that you may have life. In this morning's passage, we're going to see these purposes. They're highlighted for us very clear. The ideas of believing in Jesus believing in who he is, that he is indeed the Christ, that he is the Son of God, and that in him we can find abundant life. This morning, we're in John chapter 6, one of the longest chapters 
of all the New Testament, certainly in the Gospel of John. It's a chapter where Jesus was revealing himself to his followers to, to in, in really profound ways, I would say. Sometimes hard to understand, difficult even to accept. It's here that Jesus is going to say, I am the bread of life. It's one of Jesus' seven I am statements that we read about in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life. In John 8, he says, I'm the light of the world. In John 10, I'm the gate. Again, in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. In John 11, I'm the resurrection and the life. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, I am the vine. Jesus wants you and I, he wanted his followers to know who he is. And that's for us this morning. I wonder, do you know who he is? And being that this is a longer passage, I better jump right in because I'm already falling off, off time here. <laughs> I'm going to read this. It's a long passage, John. I'm going to start in, in verse 22. I'm going to go all the way to 59. So you can follow along up on the screen. Beginning in verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, Give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. 
For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? And Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that no one may eat of it and not die. And I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of the bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever." Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. That's a lot. It's hard to hear. Like, what about this cannibalism thing? Like, you know? And if you read to the end of the chapter, you're going to see that a lot of people left Jesus and no longer followed him. This is too hard to hear. Well, let's look at this a little bit. I'm not going to go through all these verses. You'll be here half the day. But I do have a plan. Last week, um, Pastor Isaac, he, he took us from the beginning of the chapter where Jesus feeds the 5,000. This is what we're looking at. And it was plus women and children, so it's probably more like 15,000. I mean, it's a lot of people that Jesus fed from five barley loaves and two fish. But feed the multitude of people Jesus did, and there were even leftovers. And we read in John 6, 12 that they had all eaten their fill. Like, they were completely satisfied. And how many of, many of you know this morning that when Jesus does something, like, in our lives, it's not half measure. It's complete. And it's satisfying, right? There's complete joy. There's complete peace. There's complete rest. Amen. And Pastor Isaac also shared last week that Jesus takes us on this great adventure, right? That he knows our needs. He sees us. He, he prays for us. He comes to us. He saves us. He redeems us. And this is such good news. And so now we're picking up with the rest of chapter 6, and we read it's the day after that Jesus has done this really big thing, 
And in fact, it's his largest public miracle, feeding thousands all at once. His popularity is at an all-time high. People are following after this guy, and the crowd has seen the sign they had done, and their bellies are full, and they call him a prophet, and they even want to take him by force, right, to make him their king. But Jesus retreats to the mountains to pray because he knows, he's keenly aware of what they're really after. Not because of who he is, but because their bellies were full right? What he could give to them. That's what they're after. And I wonder if sometimes this isn't the description of our relationship, my relationship with Jesus. Like seeking after Jesus, calling on Jesus, worshiping Jesus, not because of who he is, but simply because I need something from him right now. Because of what he can give me. And Pastor Isaac just said, you know, we do pray because he does want to meet our physical needs. He does give us things. But is that the primary thing? We read at the beginning of this passage, verse 24, that the crowd sees that Jesus is no longer in Galilee, right? He had crossed over the sea. And so they head to the other side. They went to Capernaum in Galilee. This is Jesus' home turf. And it says they went seeking Jesus. And this morning, I want to talk to you about what it means to seek Jesus. This idea, seeking Jesus, it brought up a great deal of questions for me this week. What does it mean? Why do I do it? When do I do it? And if I'm completely honest this morning, I mean, I would say that without a doubt that when I'm experiencing some sort of hardship or trial, or that's when I am quick to seek Jesus, when there's some sort of important, potentially life-changing decision that I have to make, I'm, I'm quick to seek Jesus. But what about when things are going along as planned? When things are going well, when things are, my needs are being met, when my belly's full, am I seeking them then? And, and we see in our story this morning, why were the crowds seeking after Jesus? crowd wasn't quite sure what their needs were yet, actually. Uh, and, and so Jesus is going to have this conversation with them this morning, and we're going to see four statements, four questions from this crowd, and four responses from Jesus. And really, the big idea for this morning, like if I were to really break it down, like to one sense, it would be this, basically. If you seek Jesus, he will meet your greatest need. If you seek Jesus, he will meet your greatest need. And what's your greatest need? I mean, what I'm learning over and over again, what, what I want you to consider for yourself this morning is that Jesus is your greatest need. <laughs> Jesus is your greatest need. I never used to think this, but I know, I know it now. Because I know that if I seek him, he will meet my needs. So let's consider this idea of our great need and how we seek getting our needs met. What are some of the aspects of seeking Jesus, our greatest need? The first aspect I want us to consider for this morning, and it's a big one, it's our motivation. In John 6, through 27 is where we see this really highlighted. Our seeking 
You see, it, it leans itself towards a product rather than a person. I don't know how else to say that, really. Uh, the crowd's wondering where Jesus went. They'd just gotten their bellies full. It's the next day, and they want more of the same. Like, they had to have been thinking, yesterday we had nothing to eat. Food was scarce, and then Jesus supplies all this food, and we're satisfied now. Give us some more. I want more of that. But what was the crowd's motivation? Did they really want Jesus, or did they just want the bread? Were they just looking for another free meal? At the risk of offending someone, um, this morning I asked this question. I mean, are you really different? that much different from the crowd? I mean, I ask myself this. Wouldn't it just be a lot easier to seek Jesus, not because of who he is and what he came to do, what he calls us to do to pick up our cross and to follow him, and just rather seek him because we need something from him? Like, maybe I'll just seek Jesus at church on Sunday, and then the rest of the week, I'll seek those worldly things. I mean, answer the question for yourself this morning. What is it that I am seeking today? And why am I seeking that today? Is it the person of Jesus that you are seeking? And if so, are you seeking him for who he is, or is it because of one of a list of things that I need him to do for me today? And so the crowd has seen Jesus do this miracle. They're wondering where he gets off to, and they, they're seeking after him. And verse 25 says that they find him on the other side of the sea. And now begins this dialogue between the crowd and Jesus that we learn has taken place in the synagogue at Capernaum. We read that in the very last verse in verse 59. And we now come across the first question that Jesus uh, asked the crowd, which is highlighting their motivation <clears throat> for seeking him to begin with. John 6, 25 when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? First, they want to know when Jesus got there. Like, personally, I would have been, <clears throat> excuse me, like, how did you get here? <laughs> like, you're on the other side of the sea. Like, there's no boats. How did you get here? I mean, and, and it's really pointing to Jesus' deity here. Like, we learn from the other Gospels that he walked across the water to get there. But the crowd isn't concerned with how. They're, they're more concerned with when. Like, perhaps they're thinking they'd missed out on the leftovers already and, and, and missed their shot at the bread. And, and, and secondly, I find it curious that the crowd had originally back in first, verse 14, they said this, they said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. And now they address him how? Rabbi. Like, it sounds like a demotion to me. <laughs> like, first he's a prophet, now he's a rabbi. Jesus, what have you done for me lately is kind of the mentality. And, and I think about that for myself. I want you to consider that for yourself. Like, what have you done for me? They've forgotten that he's just multiplied five loaves and two little fish and fed thousands. And I love Jesus' response, verse 26. 
he answers them truly, truly. And when he says truly, truly, that means like, listen up, y'all. Like, um, I want you to really hear this. I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now notice, like Jesus completely bypasses their question. Like he, they're asking, when did you get here? He didn't even touch it. He goes right for their motivation, right to their heart. Like, I'm not even going to bother answering that silly question. I'm going to get to the real issue here. It's the motivation of your heart. He's, he's confronting their materialistic mindset, really. Their mind says, all that I need is a little more physical bread. Jesus, are you going to do another miracle for me? They're focused more on what Jesus can do for them rather than who Jesus is. Jesus is saying, don't seek after the things, the products that are going to satisfy you just for a moment. Like, don't concern yourself with the when or even the how Jesus is going to meet your physical need. Instead, seek Jesus for who he is. He's proclaiming his deity to them, that he is the son of God, that he, what he's going to provide is eternal. But as we'll read, the followers of Jesus still aren't quite getting it. And so we read later in this passage that Jesus has to spell it out for him several more times. John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And John's kind of carrying over the same theme that if you remember back to John 4, when he meets the woman at the well, he says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I'll give will become in him a spring of water welling up for eternal life. Same theme here. Jesus is saying to the crowd, he's saying, indeed, for each of us this morning, he's saying it, I'm the source of life. Like, there's no other way to eternal life, y'all. There's no other way to God but through me. I'm Jesus. I'm the Son of God. I came to this earth with a purpose, to take on humanity, to be tempted as you are, yet without sin. I came to die for you. Why? So that you could have eternal life, that you could have abundant life. And guess what? You could have it right now, today. Seek me. I'm your greatest need, Jesus is saying. He says in John 15, Jesus says, and Isaac alluded to it this morning, pursue me, abide in me, he says, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's saying, pursue me, seek me, forget about seeking all the material things of the world. They're only going to satisfy you temporarily. And believe me, I can, I can testify to this. I just celebrated 17 years clean and sober from drugs and alcohol. 17 years. I could not have done it if I would have continued to seek 
the worldly things, the things that only satisfied me temporarily. But when I began to pursue him for who he is, he met my needs. Praise God. And so this is at the heart of the first question this morning. What motivates you? What motivates you this morning? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Like, what are you seeking? What are you abiding in? And this morning, Jesus is saying, come. He's saying, come, be with me. That's all. Seek me. Know me. Believe in me, and I will give you what you need. So we see Jesus speaking to their motivation. Now we're going to see he's going to go on to another aspect of their greatest need, and it's salvation. We all need to be saved, y'all, from something. I needed a Savior. John 6, 28 and 29 says, Then they said to him, "What, What must we do to be doing the works of God? What must we do to be doing the works of God? What must I do? Just let me do something. <laughs> Sound like anybody else in this room? Like, I just need to go do something. Come on. And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Like, the reality is, is that we often seek to be rescued by works, like trying to figure out the next thing that I can do <clears throat> to save myself from whatever it is I need saving from. Like, let me just work a little harder <clears throat> to manufacture that happiness, that joy in my life, that, that peace. Just let me try a little harder. Like, our humanness inclines us towards self-sufficiency, doesn't it? Like, I'll just rely on myself. I can do this. I can power through it. And our prideful self says, I, I, I can do it on my own. I don't need help from anyone. Sound familiar? It's like me up here. Look, hear this loud and clear this morning. You and I, our salvation is not based on our works. You need to hear this. It's not based on anything that you can do. It's not on your works. It is based only on the grace of God. In verse 28, the crowd asked Jesus, what must we do? The Philippian jailer asked that same question in Acts 16. What must I do to be saved? This crowd following Jesus, they're religious Jews, and they're thinking in terms of works, like following all the rules to earn favor with God. Like, but isn't that the easy way out in some ways? Like, wouldn't we all like to just have a list of like, 10 things that we need to do to get our needs met or like 10 things to have the perfect life or five easy steps towards marital bliss or like three steps to six-pack abs. I don't know. I mean, like, 
I would love, I would love it. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. Jesus gives us a simple list of what we must do to be sure that we're going to heaven. No. Jesus' response is this. It's believe. Just believe. That's the work you must do. It's simple. Just, and not just to believe in anything, because, like, we can all believe in a lot of things, right? Like, and if you don't really believe in something, you're going to fall for anything. Believe. This is the work that you must do. And believe what? Believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus is saying, believe in me. That's the work you must do. And isn't it interesting how the simplest things can be the most difficult things for us to do? Like Jesus is saying, put all your focus, all your efforts, all your attention, cast all your burdens, place all your devotion on me. He wants a serious commitment. Like, he wants all of you. He doesn't want some of you. He's saying that's all. All of you is more than enough for all of me. Jesus is saying to the crowd, you want to get in on the works of God? You, you want salvation? Here's what you do. You just believe in me. There's nothing more that you can do to save yourself from your current situation, nothing more that you can do so God will rescue you from your current situation that you find yourself in, nothing more that you can do to earn favor with God. It is grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone that saves you, and that's it. And he, Paul makes this abundantly clear in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not a your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can brag, no one can boast about it. And he writes again in Romans 3.28, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So this morning when it comes to seeking Jesus, seeking your greatest need, we have looked at your motivation, we've looked at salvation, and now the third aspect is orientation. And what I mean by orientation is where are we headed? What are we looking towards? What are we seeking in order of having our needs met? And this is at the heart of the message this morning. You see, our tendency is to be seeking that thing, that gift, which is going to give us temporary relief, relief in the here and now, rather than orientating our thinking towards the giver of the gift. Like, again, it's about our motivation, seeking things which are temporary, fixes, meeting our physical needs in the moment rather than that which is lasting and that which is eternal and meeting our, our, our deeper spiritual needs. So often we want the quick fix, don't we? I, I'm guilty of it all the time. And know how quickly we can forget how many times in the past where we've been rescued and saved and brought out of horrible situations. We forget about it. 
And how many times are we quick to forget the ways in which God has worked all things together for your good? And this is exactly what we see in John 6, 30 and 31. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, wait a minute. Like, this is amazing. Like, the crowd's already asking for another sign. He's just fed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Like, what more do you need? Well, I pause and I think about it and I put myself in that crowd and I'm like, I'm not that different. I mean, how quick I become disoriented by my current circumstance that I find myself in, needing another sign that Jesus is indeed with me, that he hasn't left me, that he's for me. And not only that, how quick we can remember, you know, like forget that it was actually Jesus who met your need. Like, it was the Lord that did that, not me in my own efforts, in my own strength. And this is what's happening in the story. The crowd wants another sign. And then they remember that their ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they forgot who it was that actually provided the manna. Like, they were stuck on the gift instead of the giver of the gift. And this is Jesus' response in verse 32. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. The bread, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus points it back to himself again. Jesus is saying, I am the better Moses. Like, Moses may have led you out of bondage in Egypt, but I have come to lead you out of the bondage of your sin. I'm the ultimate deliverer. Like Jesus is better. Jesus is the giver of good gifts. Hear this. Jesus is not only giving bread. He is the bread. He is the bread. So in this story, we've seen that the motivation of the crowd was way off. They wanted the product rather than the person. We've seen that they were, they were looking for salvation with a quick fix, like what else can I do? Give me a list, a checklist, check off the boxes. And the idea of grace through faith is just absent from their thinking. And, and we saw that their orientation went back to the gift rather than the giver, and the final aspect this morning is this. It's satisfaction. I always think of the Rolling Stones song when I hear, I can't get no satisfaction. Jesus is now going to share with the crowd that true satisfaction only comes in him. Like, the crowd's seeking a temporal, temporary satisfaction rather than an eternal satisfaction. Look at John 6, 34. And this is the fourth question, but it's more kind of like a command or a request. 
similar to the request of the woman at the well. In John 6, 34, they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. <laughs> give us this bread all the time, Jesus. Like, just meet all my physical needs right now, Jesus. I don't want to experience all the physical pain of this life, the heartaches, the trials, the conflicts. I don't want that. I can't handle that. No more suffering, Jesus. Just fix it. Just give me the bread. And Jesus responds this way in verse 35. He said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You see, Jesus is setting up this contrast between the temporary physical thinking and the spiritual and the eternal thinking. This contrast in which he's trying to get them to understand is this. They're putting all their focus, all their energy on earthly things, temporal things, rather than on Jesus, the giver of true satisfaction, true life, and the eternal satisfaction. Paul says this when he's writing to the church in Philippi in, in Philippians 3, 19 and 21. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This morning, y'all, Jesus is saying, I am truly the only thing that satisfies. Stop seeking after that temporary fix. Stop searching for the physical bread to fill your bellies in the moment. When I came to this earth and I dwelt among you, went to the cross for you, raised from the dead, it was all for you so that you would be raised up on the last day. This was God's will all along. Jesus continues in 36 through 40, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, hear this, whoever comes to me will never be cast out. That means never. That means no matter what you do now, you, you put your faith and your belief in Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, if you do that right now, right here this morning, you will be saved. It's that simple. You can do that right now. Please do that right now if you haven't done so. And you will never, ever be cast out, it says. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, Jesus says, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Brothers and sisters, this is the good news. It's the gospel. Jesus not only gives us our daily bread, which he asked for us to pray. He is not only a Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. 
He is the bread of life who came down from heaven. He is the true manna from heaven. And this morning, he wants to know what is the bread that you are seeking after today? What bread are you gonna feast on today? Because if it's anything other than him, it offers nothing more than temporary relief. And if you are seeking after your greatest need, a savior, Jesus, what is your motivation for doing so? Are you focused on what he can give you or simply on who he is? Are you feeling like you just need to do more? Work harder, check off a box to earn his favor instead of realizing that all that he requires is that you believe. Can you do that this morning? Can we feast on this bread this morning? Jesus, the bread of life, who is saying to us, whoever believes in me, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your promises this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you are the bread of life. And Jesus, we're just asking you this morning, God, to help us to continue to speak to our hearts this morning, Jesus. We want to abide in you because it is in you and in you alone that we find true satisfaction. And this eternal life that we are promised, Lord, this eternal joy that we are promised in the future, it can start right now today because you are our greatest need, God. Lord Jesus, hear our prayers this morning. We thank you that you are the true bread. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.